several weeks ago uh, in my daily Bible reading, I, uh, I, I read through the, uh, the book of Galatians chapter by chapter. And uh, the, the message in, uh, in this book, the book of Galatians, caught my attention in a way that uh, it never had before. Uh, I, in my 49 years of preaching and ministering the gospel, um, I, I never preached much from the book of Galatians. I realized that as I was reading through this, this book. I remember preaching several times from chapters 5 and 6. They seem to be more relevant uh, than, uh, than the, the rest of uh, the book of Galatians. And I guess that chapters 1 through 4 seem sort of complex uh, to me over the years, especially uh, chapters 2 through, through 4, where the Apostle Paul deals with uh, this matter of mixing law and grace. And uh, I have always found uh, Paul's, what shall I say, exposition of law and grace or his arguments in relation to, to uh, uh, law and grace rather complex. I also met uh, some of Paul's arguments as, as it relates to understanding uh, law and grace in, in the book of Romans. But it wasn't, doesn't, didn't seem as complex as, uh, you, you find, as I find it here in Galatians chapter 2 and 4. Uh, but this morning, uh, I'm going to um, sort of jump into chapter 1 of Galatians uh, and, uh, and, and give us at least an introduction to, um, to this epistle. I don't know for, uh, how far I'll go in, in preaching from the book of Galatians. Uh, I, I feel like I'm sort of at the end of my, my uh, preaching responsibilities and career. But uh, I, I do want to uh, look at Romans, cha uh, Romans <laughs> Galatians chapter 1. I'm still full of Romans. <laughs> uh, so I, I, uh, I do want to look at these, this first chapter and sort of attempt to give us a bit of an understanding of, of the, the background of, uh, of, of the book of Galatians and uh, maybe uh, give you a taste for uh, digging around yourself in, uh, in this first book. Um, several unique things about the, this epistle uh, that we call the, the epistle of Galatians. <clears throat> the, this is considered to be the first of Paul's uh, Writings. This is the first of Paul's epistles, the first book that Paul wrote as a part of his uh, uh, missionary venture throughout the Roman Empire. It was the first of 13 of the New Testament epistles. Uh, and uh, uh, it, uh, all of, most of these epistles that Paul wrote were written to individual churches scattered throughout the Roman Empire, uh, except for about uh, four of them. 
and and uh, so he he wrote the other four or three or four uh, three uh, to to individuals uh, his uh, who what he called his son Timothy uh, and to Titus and uh, to to one more the the little the little book uh, what is it called. Uh, um, help me out, someone. Philemon. He wrote this uh, a personal letter to uh, to Philemon. Some people uh, ascribe the the book of Hebrews to uh, the writings of Paul, but uh, I'm a little bit doubtful of that. We we don't really know who uh, wrote the the book of Hebrews, but it doesn't seem to be Paul's style. Uh, and so uh, I, I, uh, I don't think that Paul wrote the book of Hebrews. I could be wrong about that, being wrote, been wrong about a few things before. But uh, um, anyhow, uh, this, uh, so one of the unique things uh, about the, the uh, Galatian epistle is that it is the first of Paul's writings that we have in the New Testament. Uh, and, and secondly, uh, this is the only epistle of Paul uh, that we know of that was written to a group of churches. It's not written to one particular church, but it was written to a group of churches. You will notice in, in verse 2, he says, and, and all the brethren who are with me, to the churches, plural, of Galatia. And so uh, this is written to a group of churches, not to an individual church. Uh, and also, uh, I, I, you notice, and you will notice as I read through the first chapter, and if you would continue reading on through the book of Galatians, you will notice that this epistle is a very stern a letter. Paul becomes, is very stern. Um, he is uh, very intense. He is very straightforward. Um, he, he skips some of the niceties that you find in some of his other, most of his other epistles. If you check out in the first several verses of most of his epistles, he says something like this. I thank God for you, and I'm praying for you. Uh, but he doesn't say in this epistle, I thank God for you. Uh, he skips that nicety uh, in his uh, introduction uh, here in Galatians chapter 1. Uh, it just shows us perhaps uh, how, how intense Paul felt about uh, the things that he was going to address in, uh, in this epistle. Well, I thought maybe that would uh, help us uh, get a little bit of a glimpse into uh, the, uh, this, this epistle. Um, now, before I read uh, uh, Galatians chapter 1, there are two more things that may help us understand Paul, why, why Paul says what he does in chapter 1 that I'm going to read. Um, the first thing, I, the first question I want to ask and, and also answer, if I can, uh, is where were the Galatian churches located? Who, who, what was this? Who were these churches? Um, well, the uh, Galatia was a province located in the Central Asia area. Um, you, 
on the east of uh, the east end of uh, Asia Minor, if you look at a map, which you probably have in the back of your Bible, uh, which might be helpful, but in the east edge of the uh, of Asia Asia Minor, uh, you have the Taurus Mountains as you come up from. Uh, as you go up uh, uh, northern Syria and turn west uh, toward Asia Minor, the first thing that you're confronted with there is a rugged stretch of mountains called the Taurus Mountains. It's in the midst of the Taurus Mountains that uh, you have the, 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 uh, the hometown of, uh, of Paul. Um, and so, uh, which is, uh, yeah, which is Tarsus. Uh, is, in, is in the middle of this rugged section of mountains. Then on the western edge, if you go all the way west to the, uh, to, to the, uh, the sea coast, the western sea coast of, of uh, Asia Minor, you have Ephesus uh, right on the coast. And, uh, and then if you go inland from Ephesus and go a bit north, you have the, the, uh, the, the rest of the Besides Ephesus, you have the rest of the uh, seven churches that Jesus addressed in Revelations 2 and 3. But in between there and the Taurus Mountains, you have what is called the Asian Highlands, a rich farming area. And uh, it was in this central section of Asia that, that where, where the province of, uh, of Galatia was located. And so uh, it, it's right there um, uh, in the middle of Asia Minor is the province of Galatia. Uh, Paul and Barnabas uh, ministered the gospel in the province of Galatia in their first missionary journey. And uh, during, yes, during that particular time as described in Acts chapter 13 and 14. Um, they, they left uh, Antioch of Syria, uh, which was their sending church, uh, was from Antioch of Syria. Um, and they left Antioch of Syria. They sailed to, to the island of Cyprus and, and ministered the gospel in the, area, in the area of Cyprus, which was the home area of Barnabas. And, uh, and then they, they left uh, Cyprus, uh, crossed a small section of the Mediterranean Sea, and, and come to the southern coastline of, uh, of Galatia, of, uh, of Asia Minor, Central Asia Minor. And they'll make their way right up through the middle of uh, uh, Asia Minor, uh, the province of Galatia, and uh, there ministered the gospel to about four or five different uh, cities. Um, and so uh, they, they established churches in these, in these cities. It was the, uh, the city of uh, Antioch of Pisidia. Uh, there was Iconium and Lystra and Derbe. It was in Derbe uh, that, uh, no, it was in Lystra uh, where uh, uh, Paul was stoned for the first time and left us dead. But he revived and uh, recovered and continued uh, to, to minister the gospel. 
Um, and so uh, the, these were the Galatian churches from these cities. There might have been a few more, but these were the Galatian churches where Paul and Barnabas had first ministered the gospel uh, to the Gentiles. Um, the, uh, the membership of uh, these churches was uh, a mixture of both Gentile and Jew. Um, the, the, uh, when Paul and Barnabas uh, went to, the, to these cities, they first went to the Jewish synagogues and preached the gospel there, and, and then, uh, but then they also preached to the Gentiles. And so the, the membership of, the, of these churches were uh, a good mixture of uh, Jew and Gentile. But it, uh, so yeah, so that is, that is sort of the, the background of the, uh, of the gospel coming to the uh, province of, uh, of Galatia. The, uh, oh, by the way, uh, let me also say that the, this, uh, this area of Galatia was an area of Asia Minor that uh, th almost 300 years before had been uh, uh, invaded by a group of people from the area of Gaul, uh, which is the, the present area of France. So there were Celtics, there were the, the people of Gaul from, from Western Europe had immigrated all the way across the, more than a thousand miles and settled in this central area of, uh, of, of, the, of uh, Asia Minor, which is called Galatia. Actually, it's called Gaul-Latia. That's why, <laughs> that's why it's called Gaul-Latia. They were, they were the uh, descendants from the Gauls <laughs> that uh, inhabited this particular area. I thought that was an interesting uh, aspect of that. The second question I'd like to ask before I look into, read and look into chapter one is what were the issues? What were the issues that Paul was addressing to this epistle, in this epistle to the Galatians? Well, we, we need to realize that uh, the idea that Gentiles could be an integral part of the kingdom of God and members of the church of Jesus Christ without being circumcised and without uh, taking on at least certain aspects of the Jewish law and tradition was, uh, was really um, a, a, a new idea. And... Uh, um, and so uh, this was a radical idea that Gentiles could be part of the, of the new kingdom of God, the, the church of Jesus Christ, without the, these uh, trappings. I, I don't want to call them trappings. Without these aspects of the Jewish Old Testament Jewish law. And uh, this uh, created a lot of discussion and a lot of conflict during that early part of the, the apostolic church. So uh, we need to understand that. 
And uh, even, even though before the gospel came to, to uh, Galatia, Galatian church, uh, cities, uh, the, the church in Antioch had been established. And already there was a, a mixture of, of Jew and Gentile membership in the church in Antioch, where Paul and, and um, Barnabas and, and others had been sent to, to minister the gospel. Uh, yet it was here in uh, the churches of Galatia that the issue came to a point. And, and so this was really the, the major issue uh, that uh, uh, Paul is addressing here in, uh, in, in these churches. And it, uh, it created a lot of contention. Um, so just keep that in mind um, as, we, uh, as we look at uh, the, um, this, this first chapter of Galatians, of the book of Galatians. Um, having, having said all that, uh, I'm going to read uh, Galatians chapter 1. Paul, an apostle, not of men, not from men, nor through man, but through Jesus Christ and God the Father who raised him from the dead, and all the brethren who are with me to the churches of Galatia, grace to you and peace from God the Father and our Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins that he might deliver us from this present evil age, according to the will of God and Father, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. I marvel that you are turning away so soon from him who called you in the grace of Christ to a different gospel, which is not another, but there are some who trouble you and want to pervert the gospel of Christ. But even if we or an angel from heaven preach any other gospel to you than what we have preached to you, let him be accursed. That's a strong, that's a strong statement. Let him be accursed, meaning let him come under the judgment of God. As we have said before, so now I say again, and when you read these uh, repetitions, remember repetition adds emphasis to something. As we have said before, and so now I say again, if anyone preaches any other gospel to you than what you have received, let him be accursed. For do I now persuade men or God, or do I seek to please men? For if I still please men, I would, not be, I, I would not be a bondservant of Christ. I'm not going to talk about pleasing men here in the, from this first chapter, but let me just pause here and say, this is one of the things, this, this especially addresses spiritual leadership. Uh, and one of, the, one of the temptations in preaching and in spiritual leadership is to please men. Paul said, if I please men, if I seek to please men, 
that I'm not the bondservant of Jesus Christ. But I make known to you, brethren, that the gospel which was preached by me is not according to man. For I neither received it from man, nor was I taught it, but it came through the revelation of Jesus Christ. For you have heard of my former conduct in Judaism, how I persecuted the church of God beyond measure and tried to destroy it. And I advanced in Judaism beyond many of my contemporaries in my own nation, being more exceeding zealous for the tradition of my fathers. Remember Paul, he even called himself that he was a Pharisee of the Pharisees. Um, But when it pleased God, who separated me from my mother's womb and called me through his grace, to reveal his son in me that I might preach him among the Gentiles, I did not immediately confer with flesh and blood. Nor did I go to Jerusalem to those who were apostles before me. But I went to Arabia and returned again to Damascus. Then after three years, I went up to Jerusalem. (coughs) I went up to Jerusalem to see Peter and remained with him 15 days. But I saw none of the other apostles except James, the Lord's brother. Now concerning the things which I write to you indeed before God, I do not lie. I'm telling you the truth. Afterward, I went into the regions of Syria and Cilicia, and I was unknown by face to the churches of Judea, which were in Christ. But they were hearing only, he who formerly persecuted us now preaches the faith which he once tried to destroy, and they glorified God in me. It's the first chapter of Galatians. <clears throat> Let me begin by uh, pointing out several overall impressions that uh, I get from reading this first chapter of Galatians. The first one is that uh, one gets the feeling that there is a certain kind of fickleness about the Galatian Christians, the Galatian, the believers in the Galatian churches. I told you that uh, the, this area was, uh, was uh, um, uh, contains the, the people of Gaul from years before. And it seemed that there was, uh, there was a kind of feckleness among, from, in, about some of these people. Um, and that, and so they had sort of a unique, uh, some unique cultural affinities. And one of those cultural affinities was that there was a kind of fickleness about them. Um, 
they, uh, they were easily swayed one way and then another. Um, they changed loyalties rather quickly. Especially note verses 6 and 7 where Paul says, I marvel that you are turning away so soon from him who called you in the grace of Christ into a different gospel, which is not another gospel, which is not another, but there are some who trouble you and want to pervert the gospel of Christ. Uh, this fickleness that I notice uh, in, that seemed to be evident in the Galatian churches uh, was, uh, was evident even when, when Paul and Barnabas came to them with the true gospel of Jesus Christ. Uh, in Acts chapter 14, verses 8 through 19, Luke tells us how the people of Lystra went from receiving Paul and Silas as gods that came down from the heavens. Um, they, the gods that came in the likeness of men. And they were, they were about to worship them, to offer sacrifices to them and Paul and, and Barnabas ran in among them and said, no, 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 we're just like you. <laughs> but they were, they, it was because Paul had, had uh, healed a man who was, was lame and couldn't walk. And when they saw that, they, uh, they, were, they thought they were the gods that came to dwell among them. And, uh, and so, um, but... In, in just a day or two's time, they went from that attitude toward Paul and Silas to, uh, to stoning Paul <laughs> because he preached the gospel to them. And so you see that some of that fickleness was already there when, when Paul and Barnabas uh, uh, came to them with the gospel. Uh, they were not like the Bereans who carefully and carefully searched the, the scriptures to discern the truth uh, of that which was spoken to them. So uh, this was, was evident uh, already, even from the beginning. Um, secondly, uh, allow me to also reflect from chapter 1. The, on the, the tactics that the, uh, that the Judaizers used to, uh, to attempt to uh, uh, discredit the Apostle Paul and his gospel in order to uh, uh, preach their own gospel, which Paul calls another gospel, uh, to them. There, there were two things that the Judaizers, and a Judaizer is, is a term that, that historians use to describe those who were mixing law and grace. Uh, and and it's, it's, the word's not found in, in the scriptures here, but, but it's what his, the term historians use to describe these kind of people who, uh, who uh, mix law and grace. 
First of all, they, they attacked Paul's credibility as a true apostle of Christ. This was their first tactic. Uh, you see that the calling and role of an apostle of Christ was unique to the church at this, during this particular time. The, it was Christ who assigned the role and the giftings of, the, of apostleship to, uh, to 12 of his disciples. Um, and and he, he only did it to the 12 and to the Apostle Paul after he met him, uh, as he met him on the Damascus Road. The, uh, the criteria that, uh, for being an apostle, uh, which was a unique role in the apostolic church, it was explained by Peter in Acts chapter 1, verses 21 and 22. Uh, an apostle must have been a disciple, one who had uh, followed Christ from the time of John to his death and resurrection, who heard his teaching and observed his ways. And he had to be a witness of the resurrection Christ. He had to be a witness of the resurrected Christ. These were several of the uh, criteria that, that uh, Peter uh, uh, gave for being an apostle in Acts chapter 1. But uh, I, I, I verily believe that, the, that the, 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 the calling of apostle, of an apostle, was something that only lasted during the, the lifetime of the apostles. When they passed off the scene, uh, they, new apostles of, of this nature were not called to, to help lead the church. Theirs was a unique calling that was uh, just, just was there uh, during their particular lifetime. And it was not, not again... Um, uh, it was not furthered in any other way. Uh, yes, I know that there were others who were called apostles, but they were apostles in the sense of the, the meaning of the word, not because they were the apostles. The meaning of the word means a sent one. And so there were others who sent. Barnabas was sent, and he's called an apostle, and because he was sent from the church in Jerusalem to Antioch, he was also called an apostle, but he was not one of the apostles. And so uh, it was a unique role and calling. I want us to understand that. And, and according to Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 20, their role and calling was to lay and establish the foundational teachings and doctrines of the church to lay the foundation for the church of Jesus Christ for all time. I believe uh, Jesus was referring to some of this when in Matthew chapter 16, uh, he, uh, Jesus responded to Peter when Peter confessed him as, as Christ, the son of the living God, 
up there in Caesarea Philippi. And, and, and Jesus' response to that confession was, and you are Peter. And upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And I will give unto thee the keys of the kingdom of heaven. And, and whatever you establish, that will be established in heaven. Uh, some readings of this, this section indicate that whatever you establish must first have been established in heaven. They had to discern, the apostles had to discern the, uh, the foundational teachings and doctrines of the church. And so, uh, so, so yes, uh, so, the, so the, what the Judaizers did, first of all, is they came in and attacked it, the fact that Paul was considered to be an apostle, one of the apostles. And uh, they, in essence, said, uh, you know, your, your apostleship, his apostleship, they said to the Galatian churches, is, uh, is of men. <laughs> it's just, uh, you know, it, it's, it's not of Christ. It's not of God. Uh, you see, what happened was that uh, during Paul's second missionary journey, Paul and Silas went north of uh, Antioch of Syria to the Taurus Mountains, and then they went west through Asia Minor, and as they went through Central Asia Minor, the area of Galatia, they visited all of these churches that had been established during, during Paul and Barnabas' first missionary journey. And they encouraged them and taught them. Then they moved on west and northwest to, uh, and uh, Paul had a vision uh, uh, to go to Macedonia, and they went into Macedonia, they went south in the, uh, the uh, from Macedonia down to Corinth. And as I understand, as historians uh, give it, it was while Paul was in Corinth that, that a group of, of, uh, of brothers from the Galatian churches came to Paul all the way to Corinth to tell them what was happening in the Galatian churches. See, Judaizers had come. Shortly after they had left that area, Judaizers came from Jerusalem and began to invade the, the churches with their teaching, uh, mixing law and grace. And so, uh, so, so uh, uh, yeah, so th but this was their first tactic when they came to... The, to the Galatian churches was to um, uh, say that the Apostle Paul was not a true apostle. And so you notice in Galatians chapter 1, the first thing that Paul says in, his, in, in, in verse 1, was it? Where it said, uh, I'm Paul, an apostle. And, and, and he meant he was one of the apostles. Uh, and, I'm, and, and not of men, and not through man, but through Jesus Christ himself. <laughs> he later is going to explain how that happens. Uh, three times you have in, in the book of Acts, you have the story of Paul's uh, conversion given by Luke. 
the first time was in Acts 9, and you've just recently looked at that in Sunday school. And then you have it also in, in Luke, uh, uh, in Acts 22, where uh, Paul gives his, uh, tells his conversion story to the mob that had attacked him in Jerusalem and were going to kill him. And he, and he gave his personal testimony to them. It was a very tense time. <laughs> he was rescued by the, the Roman soldiers. And then for the third time, he was in front of Agrippa, King Agrippa, in Acts 26. And there he told his story uh, again. And so you have three accounts of Paul's conversion. There are some variations in the, these accounts. Uh, and uh, he, he gives some details in, in chapter 22 and 26 that Luke doesn't give in chapter 9. And one of the details that you get from chapter 22 and 29 is that, that, that uh, Paul, uh, by the Lord Jesus Christ himself, as he was confronted on the road of, to Damascus, Paul, uh, Jesus, uh, told him that he was going to send him far away to the Gentiles and that he was going to be the apostle to the Gentiles. And, and so, uh, yes, Paul was one of the apostles, the apostle to the Gentiles. And, uh, and, and he affirms this in the first several verses of, um, of Galatians chapter 1. The, the second way that the Judaizers uh, uh, attacked the credibility of Paul was to cast doubt on the viability and the truth of the gospel that he preached. Um, please note that Paul is very adamant about the fact that he did not receive the gospel by or through men, meaning by or through any human instrument flesh and blood, as he called it, and nor by the, by the way of the other apostles or anyone else, even from the city of Jerusalem. But he received the gospel. He preached directly by revelation through the Lord Jesus Christ himself. He was taught, if you please, the gospel by Christ himself. I, I, can, I don't know how all that took place, but Paul uh, spends the most of, first, of, of the first chapter of Galatians explaining how this to, came about. He, he said, uh, you know, when, after, when he came to Damascus and he was struck down, and, and uh, then uh, he, he spent a, a, a small amount of time in Damascus and immediately began refuting the, uh, the, the, the Jews about the, that Jesus was the Son of God. That seemed to be, at least, he, he grasped that concept from Jesus' appearance to him on the Damascus Road. But then he said, I didn't go to Jerusalem to, to be taught by the apostles. He said, I went, I went from Damascus to, to the area of Arabia, for about two and a half to three years. And, and, and uh, it, it seemed to have been there while he was in, in, in Arabia, which was the old area, the area of old Mount Sinai, for some of the south, 
east of uh, Damascus, uh, sort of in the edge of the desert. Uh, it was there that Paul spent two and a half to three years. And it seems to me that it was during those two and a half, three years, he wasn't trying to figure out the gospel, but he was taught. He, was, he, he, he had direct revelation from the Lord Jesus Christ himself as to the truth of the gospel. This is why Paul was so sure, so sure that he said, even if an angel from heaven comes down or anyone else and preaches another gospel, let him be condemned. He's very sure because he had received the gospel not from men, not even from the apostles, but from the Lord Jesus Christ himself. Let me just notice one more thing. Um, I'm going to either have to speed up or tell the clock to stand still. Um, let me also notice that from 2 Corinthians 10.10, 10, now the Judaizers also followed Paul all the way to Corinth. And in, in, uh, in chapter 10, verse 10, um, the, Paul quoted, quote, quotes the Judaizers what they say about him. And this is what they say. His letters are weighty, heavy. You agree with that, right? Um, and, and powerful, they said. But his bodily presence is weak, and his speech is contemptible. So they continued to try to pull down uh, the credibility of the Apostle Paul. Um, what the Judaizers did to discredit the Apostle Paul is such a human and fleshly uh, tactic that any one of us can easily and, and subtly become guilty of. You know, a, a subtle way of exalting myself is to attempt to discredit the other push, person and pull him or her down. That's such a subtle thing, but it's such a fleshly thing. And, and so uh, it's, it's something that we need to be aware of. Now let me conclude by noticing uh, some devotional gems that are found in Galatians chapter 1. I'll be very brief about that, about this, but uh, allow me to reflect on a few devotional gems and uh, just to stimulate your, uh, your own thinking. The first thing that, uh, first devotional gem I find in Galatians chapter 1 is that Paul states three times in the first four verses that God is our Father. God is our Father. <laughs> um, the concept that God is our Heavenly Father is a radical concept only found uniquely in the New Testament. Last night, I, I, went, through, I went through the Strong Concordance to see how, how often uh, the God as Father is mentioned in the Old Testament. 
and there's only one hint of it. And that's in Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6, where he talks about Jesus. He's talking about Jesus. Uh, he, he, he refers to him uh, as the eternal father in his prophecy. But when you go to the New Testament, you have hundreds. And I tried to count them, but I didn't get all the way through. But there, you have hundreds of references to God as a father. Isn't that interesting? I find that very powerful for myself. You know, uh, I, uh, I'm 82 years old. And, and I myself have been a father ever since Andrea was born. I won't tell you how many years that's been. She might not like it. But I want to confess to you this morning that at this time in my life, coming to the, the last part of my journey, I feel the need to know God as my father as never before. God is not only the father of the Lord Jesus Christ, he is called the father, but he is called our father. And that's very meaningful to me in this passage. Secondly, I, I feel the need to experience the grace and peace that comes from God the Father and our Lord Jesus Christ, as Paul puts it in verse 3. I don't have to tell you that we are living in a difficult and a deceptive time. You know, the, the world culture we live in is more and more described by Paul in Romans chapter 1, verse 28 to 32. And I'm not going to go back and read that. But there's a, there's a vivid description there of, the, of the, the world culture that we are living in the midst of. I, uh, and, and we need, <laughs> folks, we need the grace and peace of God to live during these difficult and strange times. Grace and peace. And then thirdly and lastly, Paul in a few strokes in verse 4, in a few strokes of his, his, his pen, Beautifully portrays our redemption in Christ. That's verse 4. Let me read that to you. Our Lord Jesus Christ, the ending of verse 3, who gave himself for our sins that he might deliver us from this present evil age according to the will of our God and Father. In the King James, this calls a, a present evil world. Jesus, through his sin sacrifice, through his, his redemptive act on Calvary and the resurrection, delivers us from this present evil world. Isn't that wonderful? <laughs> it's so easy for us, living in this present evil world, to, find, to, to experience an affinity with the culture that we live in. But Paul says, Christ through his redemption 
by giving himself for us. The cross delivered us from the present evil world. Why then have any kind of affinity with this present evil world? And, and the word world here, or age, as New King James puts it, uh, it's the same word that is used in, in, in Romans chapter 12 and verse 2 where it says, be not conformed to this world. Why? Because Jesus through his death and resurrection has set us free from this present evil world. God bless you as you contemplate these rich truths. I ask you to stand and be dismissed. Lord, I want to thank you for this passage of your word and for the book of Galatians. I pray, Lord, that uh, it would grip us in a new and a fresh way as we contemplate some of these things. Lord, may the message of Paul concerning law and grace be truly understood by each one of us so that we don't become guilty of proclaiming another gospel and come under the condemnation of God. As we go from here, dismiss ourselves from each other, I pray that you will bless us and, and enrich our lives with this message from Galatians and with your very presence through the Holy Spirit. I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.